Between the bars of the cage, he watched what was sure to be his final sunset. Like a bloody yoke, it drooped behind the blackened mesas of the western horizon, casting monolithic shadows before it. And somewhere in all that endless burning red, the great beast stalked, drawing closer with every step. He couldn't see it. He couldn't hear it. But all the same, death was on its way. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Rogues in the House, the podcast. Grab yourself a glass of forge milk and settle down into a chair. We are talking part 2 of the 1982 film Conan the Barbarian. With me, as always, I got the two greatest guys that you could possibly have for a podcast. Matt, how's it going? It's going very well. I feel like it's it's been a while. It has been a while, and we haven't even been uh, very chatty on our usual methods as well. We've kind of like had some some dead air for a while. But yeah, I've been, uh, it's that time of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very busy. Very been busy. Super busy. I've ha- I've been fighting a cold, uh, and I'm over that now. But man, it's been just a pain in the butt. And Logan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I feel you on the cold thing. It's allergy season here, and uh, in New Mexico, we have a ton of pinon and juniper tree, and the pollen is terrible, and I'm evidently super allergic to it. So I've been sniffly, red eyes, whole whole thing. That's great. That's sort of the thing that you should research before you move there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, it's funny. I I found I thought I was allergic to a whole bunch of things. And then I found out recently, I did an allergy test, that I'm allergic to nothing. So <laughs> I guess I just always feel shitty, apparently. Interestingly, yeah. I'm, I'm going to an allergist tomorrow to get mine tested because I had an appointment like quite a while ago to see what, what, what was what. And I have felt fine since, but I'm keeping the appointment because I'm in Canada and I have health care. Yeah, uh, you yeah, should. Yeah. First of all, you can, so you should. Well, the, the truth I heard, of the matter is it takes forever to get in there to get it done. So that's kind of why I'm keeping it for precaution, right? See what's what. Right, sure. Right. Makes sense. So, so we have the dorks in the house who are allergic to things. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone who's a nerd, just let us know what you're allergic to, and we'll talk about it in the next uh, next podcast. Not the, enough in, milk to fix that. <laughs> in the allergy episode. <laughs> a bunch of crybabies in here. Oh, yeah, and, we, the oh, and there's our special reality. guest again. That's fantastic. Yeah, come on. So, you didn't even introduce me. You're I, talking about all of your weaknesses, your girly men. It, it is yeah. it is true, Arnold. And and thank you again for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, it's great to have a second a second go around with you. Or, or, or wait, you, you, you would say a second set. Is that right? That's right. You have to get pumped. When you're doing, you're doing the reps, you're getting pumped. You have to take reps of water so you feel better. And also, you should just come to California. There are, you don't have allergies in California. There are no allergies in California. That's amazing. No. Yeah, that's a bold statement there, Arnold. <laughs> come on. Do it. It's a great place. You come here. You spend your money. Great economy. I'm the biggest in the world. Arnold, uh, since, we've, since we've last talked, I was inspired. I started working out. Uh, I was doing um, squats, and I've, I've noticed that my butt hurts now. Uh, is that right. normal? Yes, you have to do your squats. They work the glutes very well. And you got to do your deadlift and your squats and your bench press. You got to do all of these things. 
that yeah. oh all right so i should expect that okay good <laughs> that's right yeah. you, that's right and you do the lunges and you'll feel it in the, in the glutes as well great great well as, uh, as a track coach i have some long distance running workouts you could do alex uh you know i'm gonna stick to the, the squats that i got going on now <laughs> <laughs> crom laughs at your track meet <laughs> So Logan, you you are actually a track coach, but you don't but you don't actually um, run. I do. I've been running every well, not everyone, but I think I've only missed a couple. Because uh, the sign of a first best sign of a good leader is that they don't ask their their minions to do anything they wouldn't do. That's true. So I get out there and I get beat by seventh graders and eighth graders you, every day. I, I um, believe that you remain unconquered, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but those kids are, they're all kids are like Terminators. They're unstoppable. Yeah, they, they never stop. keep coming. It's yeah. like the Terminator. <laughs> but I've exactly. never been lapped, and that's that's good for me. That is I've good. never been lapped. That is good. What's your mile time? Oh, oh God. <laughs> Uh, I would imagine it's now it's probably close to 11 minutes and I think 10 minute mile is what they shoot for. That's great. But, um, I I I used to run cross country too. I used to be really good. I went to, I almost went to state. I I was like fourth for qualifications. Um, I used to be fit, but not anymore. Wow. Too much forge milk. (laughs) The Canadian ponders what a mile is. That's right. Sorry. I have no frame of reference. <laughs> it's like more than a kilometer by a bit. Yeah, by, 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 a, by, a, by a bit. By a little. Because yeah. five kilometers is 3.15 miles. Oh. Oh, yeah. nowhere. Ooh, look at the math genius yeah. here. That's a, that's a cross country race. That's the, the only reason I know that. <laughs> Thank goodness uh, we have you. <laughs> Allergies and miles to kilometers. Yeah. Well. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, why don't we hop into our uh, point of interest? I'm still kind of um, being stubborn, and I want to refer to it as bizarre the bizarre, but I think that we've been overruled with points of interest at this point. It is it is it's the bizarre of the bizarre. Feature. But points of interest. Within this, we, we point out our... Our interests. Points of interest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Like who to wants go to go first? first? I really, I'm not picking this time. Uh, Logan, you go. Sure, sure. Um, well, mine, my, I've talked about mine before. I'm going to talk about Conan Exiles again um, because they recently, at least for console, I know PC got it earlier. They had a really large patch that fixed a bunch. I, I don't want to say fixed because like a game like that never really gets fixed. But it added and adjusted some things that really improved the quality of life. Um, like, for example, you can see your teammates on the map now. Thank I you. I think that's fantastic. Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah, we always had a problem getting lost when we played. Um, <laughs> they've added some content in that, like, like Yetis have been implemented. And I, I love me some Yetis. There's been a couple other things. There's a new world boss. The enemies all got rebalanced, so I've been playing solo, and, like, some of them are actually, like, they're a challenge now. A lot of enemies that used to get, like, stun-locked with heavy attacks, they don't they do not do that anymore. Especially the skeletons, which we all hate. Um, there's giant snakes that are not bosses now, and everyone knows that Conan loves to kill some giant snakes. So I'm on the hunt for some giant snakes. 
Um, there's less grindiness. Um, I think overall, there's been a lot of improvements, and I'm really happy that they're dedicated to like tweaking the game and making it um, that much more enjoyable. Nice. Yeah, and we we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that if you have a PlayStation and you have PlayStation Network, that this month for oh, April, yeah. Conan Exiles is the free game. It is a free so, game. Yeah. yeah, if you do, uh, if you do have a PlayStation and that tickles your fancy, uh, you know, let us know and we can tell you what servers we are on. Uh, yeah, maybe we can all, you know, get something going in our spare time. At yep. this point, we have a PVE, a conflict, and a PvP, and I'm not sure we've logged on for weeks. Yeah, we're, and we're we're <laughs> no, sporadic. No. We're very sporadic, yeah. to be fair. Uh, yeah, I don't even think any of us are max level at this point on that one. No. No, but uh, but we do have fun. Yeah, we do have fun. There's a lot of fun, a lot of like, not necessarily like pure Conan lore, but there's a lot of pastiche lore in there. There's um, fun places to go and look around, monsters to fight. It is a lot more fun with friends. I think Matt and Alex and I had a we have a blast when we do play. Um, So if you like Conan or like sword and sorcery in general and haven't got it and you have a console. I think April sixth is when it comes out free. So we had a great uh, a great time recording on Howard's birthday. We had a, a mm-hmm. video that we were doing. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't quite know what we were doing in terms of the game recording, and um, we only got <laughs> Logan's sound. So it was yeah. him. <laughs> it was, it was kind of just a one track audio, <laughs> like a yeah. crazy man. Uh, yeah. But it was pretty humorous, uh, and you could see just how dysfunctional we, we operate as a team. Uh, pretty much me running around being like, where are you guys? <laughs> I can't find you. <laughs> you died like twice on the way to the base. Yeah, I die a lot. Yeah. I die a yeah. lot. I'm not allowed to have any good gear. No. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's uh, so get on Conan Let's Give it a whirl. Come say hi. We'll, uh, we'll make something happen. Alex, you're yeah. next. Um, all right. Yeah. So uh, things that I've been into. So actually recently I have found myself, uh, kind of reinvested in mouse guard, uh, which is oh, yeah. not, uh, not sword and sorcery related, but, uh, I super dig it. I love the art. It's, um, essentially, uh, for the most part, the, the heavy lifting is three, three graphic novels. And it tells uh, a little story of the anthropomorphic mice uh, that are, you know, that are the mouse guard and they essentially take care of a medieval, um, they, they take care of the roads in, in medieval setting. Uh, they battle things like snakes and owls uh, and it's got a, a cool little story. So um, I really kind of dug myself back into that. Uh, and then since there's really not a lot to say around it, uh, I also went to PAX East this uh, this weekend. Nice. So I'm recording right. on April 1st. That so was this previous weekend. And, you know, it just struck me heavily that there is just not enough sword and sorcery anythings at things like this. Um, I remember there was one year where they had Conan Exiles as a booth, which was pretty sweet. Um, and I wish I had the brain power to have taken pictures of it at the time. Um, but just not much of anything. You know, it's just, it's such a, if, if you are developing a game, board game or video game, get to PAX East, put up a booth and draw lots of attention and I will come over and visit you yeah and maybe uh, also just talk to us here because we could probably uh hawk your wares on our show yes because it's kind of yeah it's part of what we're doing here is uh shining a light on these things 
Alex, what is the difference between Mouse Guard and Redwall? I was just going to ask that. So they look very similar. Yeah, I think I think they're similar. Um, they're they're different authors, different artists, um, different okay. story. But I think the general idea is the same. I mean, they're mice kind of operating in a world where there are no people. They are sort of the uh, I don't want to say the the top of the food chain because they're certainly not, but they're um, they're they have they have the brain power of a human essentially. They're the de facto characters. Yeah, exactly. So you know, but I think there's a lot of the similar elements of having to deal with uh, animals larger than than them, um, factions of other animals that are also uh, anthropomorphic and and, and organized um, in Mouse Guard. Uh, it's the uh, the fer- uh, sorry not the ferrets the weasels. Um, that they there's a weasel war, <laughs> so you know it's, it's different. But uh, I it, I enjoy it. Weasel war. Yeah, the we, the weasel war. Uh, cool. Yeah. All right. I I was wondering if there was any if I just was ignorant and they were the same thing or not. No, no, they're different. Redwall uh, was was first by quite a bit, I think. Um, and, yeah, I think those go back a while. Yeah, and, and Mouse Guard's relatively newer. Um, and honestly, the it, art. The art looks really pretty. I googled it real quick to see what he was talking about, and the art looks really well done. It's so good. It's, I really, no, I really love guard, it. Mouse Guard's graphic novel format, right? Graphic yeah. novel, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there, there's the difference right there. Redwall was a is an actual novel, book. yeah. So even in yeah. yes, absolutely. Um, and I, I understand that they're in the potential um, process of, of setting up a, a movie for Mouse Guard. Oh. There was a cute. rumor. Um, not today on April Fools, but several weeks back, about uh, Idris Elba being uh, one of the characters. Oh man, I love Idris Elba. Yeah, and he's been—he's like in everything now. So yeah, well, he's, in he's now. he'll always be Stringer Bell to me. Nice. I don't, I don't yeah. even know what that means. Oh my God, watch The Wire, you child. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I say that to anyone who hasn't watched The Wire. It's like the grow wire. up, grow up, and watch The Wire, and then and then move on with your life. Then move on with your life. That's right. It's a great. It's a great show. It's very well done by David Simon. <laughs> Arnold, Thanks, will, Arnold, will you be in Mouse Guard at all? I think you, you'd be great as one of the elder mice. That's right. I'll do it. They just need to call me. All right. I'll I'll, I'll set it up. <laughs> I'm looking for work. <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, I guess I'll go with my point of interest here. Um, well, I was going to make my point of interest. Uh, Arthur, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. But I watched that movie and have come to the conclusion that I don't like it very much. Thank so, you. It, that it is not a point of interest. <laughs> you know what? Here's here's what I will rather Sorry, quickly. Key. Yeah, key, I actually had seen that he 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 had posted that, um, and then it popped up on Netflix, and I had heard that it was like worth a watch. And it was worth a watch. Um, I actually thought it started fairly well. Um, I was into it um, until about the halfway point and it jumped the shark pretty hard. Um, Like I actually liked the guy richiness of the movie. I actually enjoyed that injected into a fantasy. I'm, I'm, I used to be very against any sort of modernisms, you know, um, breaking into a fantasy setting and then, I don't know. They just seem too familiar, but I've come around on that quite a lot because I actually like modern things. And I feel like as long as you're not too overt with it, it can still work. Like it is fantasy after all. 
Um, but it just didn't like the CGI sword fights at the end where the camera is zooming in and out were atrocious. I that is that is such hardly. brutal, terrible filmmaking that like I almost just shut it off. Like I, I despise that. Zooming in and out, CGI, twirling around. You can see that there's no actual rendering on a face. Like it takes me out completely. So as much as I liked the cool death dealer homage, um, and I liked aspects of the film, it just did not gel. Um, I don't want to take up too, too much time, but I just want to, like, I have been actually incredibly busy lately, but, uh, and I'm going to go off of the sword and sorcery piece just for a minute to say, I finally played through alien isolation (laughs) is a, it's a Sega produced game from, I don't know, probably five or six years ago now, but, um, it was probably the best adaptation of an existing property into the video game format that I've ever played. Um, if you are an alien fan and you have not gone through that game, it is absolutely essential. Um, and I would say it's, it's probably the fourth best thing produced for the, uh, alien series after alien three. So I'm not going to get too into it cause it's not really on topic, but I'll just say that it gets my massive seal of approval. Um, and that you should play it if you're into survival horror. It's interesting. I'm looking this up now. It has a 9 of 10 rating on Steam and a 5 of 10 on IGN. IGN is what legendarily stupid yeah. with that they review. Never listen to IGN. Like, it, they're terrible yeah. reviewers. Well, they, they, they have these weird aberrations of reviews that's like someone's just trying to be cool for a minute and go against the grade. Yeah full-on hipster styling sure and uh it's uh it's i I read the review and actually i hadn't i didn't play the game because i was like oh it's a five well you know i'll wait and then i slowly over the years just saw other reviews and people bashing ign because the review was so off base um and it was their main complaint one of the complaints was that like the alien ai was poor which is i don't know what game they played but that thing terrified me hmm this isn't the yeah, one anyway. that was like half done when released. No, 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 no. That's, that's a whole a other game. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's Colonial Marines. I heard that was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. No. Anyways, yeah, uh, yeah. The IGN review is definitely off base with that. Um, maybe it was a maybe I've played a version since all the patches, but even from the time, I remember like uh, other reviews were more favorable. So, nice. yeah. Sometimes you just have to. You have to dive in and see for yourself, though. I, I do typically find that video game reviews are fairly on point more so than uh, film reviews because video games is a lot of objectivity going on with, like, yeah. the controls work, you know? Right. There's things right. you can... Are there screen tears? Yes or no? Yeah. You know, that's yeah. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's it for me. Awesome. I like it. We had some some good some good stuff in this one. Um, you know, just one random comment just to stay off of the sword and sorcery thing. Cause you know, maybe we're not really a sword and sorcery podcast after all. Uh, there's a, uh, documentary on, uh, Amazon prime about vampire, the masquerade. It's called world of darkness, uh, oh, yeah. which I don't know. I just happened to watch yesterday. I just sort of like split it up into two chunks and watched it. Um, 
it's not so great as a uh, documentary, I didn't think, but the content was really interesting. I, that, that was a game that I never uh, personally played too much of. Lots of high praise. I've never played it. But yeah, lots of but it's praise. so, like, I didn't realize, like, it really set the world on fire as, like, as much as it did. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's more of like a it's like a part LARP thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, isn't it? They, well, it has, it's kind of like twofold. It's the actual tabletop game, and then eventually the LARP came through, and yeah. uh, it was like it really like was a big deal, and I didn't realize it was it was that big of a deal. They they were like neck and neck with D and D for a while there. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember hearing about it when I was younger, visiting cons, and D and D was all I knew. And I saw a bunch of people dressed up like that, and I was like, oh, who yeah. are these people? <laughs> yeah, eh, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's it's interesting. It was kind of neat. Uh, and then they, they, you know, they were talking about how movies like Underworld uh, and you know Dust Till Dawn and a whole bunch of other things sort of just borrowed their ideas. And that, like, really, like the modern concept of the vampire genre is like their stuff, hmm. kind of dispersed throughout all different types of media now. So interesting. I thought it was, or at least that's their take on it. <laughs> Just a few days ago, on March 21, they actually announced that a sequel has been in the works for 16 years. So, yeah, in the future, it looks like sometime during 2020, they're shooting for a release date for a sequel to that game. So So they've been developing it for 16 years, just like George Lucas had written the entire first trilogy before he released those uh, the first three that we saw. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know. I saw well, those movies, George it's... Lucas. If you wrote those beforehand, why were they terrible? I don't understand. <laughs> why were they terrible? <laughs> he, he wrote them. He just never just revised terrible. them. He never yeah, edited he, them or revised he, them? He had notes. He had <laughs> notes. I'm not accepting anything else. Give me a break. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we uh, dive into our actual main topic? So where did we leave off last time? Do you guys remember? Yes. We left off with meeting the wizard. And I think we had a little bit we wanted to add to that scene after Can some summon discussion. Demons, wizard. If you strike at me, I will summon a demon more powerful than all in hell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So it was pointed out to us, and I'm probably I think it was either Keith or John on the uh, Facebook page said that that is actually a conversation that King Cole has with. Uh, Tuzun Thun in the yep. mirrors of Tuzun Thun. Um, and it's not verbatim, but the the wizard line about summoning demons, that's yeah. really close. Yeah, when when you had brought that up to me, uh, after they had said that, it you know, it hit one of those things in the memory banks. Cause I remember back like, I don't know, geez, man, it was probably like eight years ago when I went went through the Cull Exile of Atlantis, the Del Rey. And I remember there was all kinds of little things I noticed. Yeah. I was like, see, Barbarian is more milius than people give it credit for. Yeah, yeah. there's I, a lot I, of people that, that bemoan how different it is from Conan. And you're right. It's not the Conan that we see in the books. But they did uh, pour a lot of Howard into the movie, whether yeah. it's from Cole or Bran or Conan or Pastiche or whatever. It's all there. Yeah, I think so. And so, and most importantly, that is uh, kind of your audition reel right there, Logan. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. So, so a- after that scene, uh, that is right before Conan decides to essentially 
go off and find this cult, correct? Yeah. Correct. So he makes his way. We have an awesome travel montage, as I remember, yep. um, where, you know, Basil's score is just elevating the entire picture as it, as it does. As it did. Riding along the coast of what I'm convinced is the Villiette Sea. Yes, I've always been At convinced in, of that as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I would place this, what, like east of Zamora yeah, somewhere? So- like Iran, in the northern maybe. part of the Villiers, yeah. But I mean, who knows how in depth right. they went tying it up to a map? But you know, there's if you want to get nerdy enough about it, you can kind of probably patch it together. Um, yeah. So, so he rides off, and his he's going to essentially. He, he almost feels like he doesn't have that much of a plan here. Uh, he gets the flowers. He kind. Yeah, he kind of meets some pilgrims and tries to, uh, and they're like, they're cultists. And we kind of talked about this before we started. Uh, Milius was very anti-hippie movement, and we're pretty sure this is an allusion to like Charles Manson um, and like the flower child kind of movement. Um, but he yeah. grabbed, he gets some flowers and fits in with this cult and kind of follows them to the mountain of power. Where Thulsa yeah. Doom is, and then when, when you see those that that troop of hippie types with the flowers hanging off them, I don't even without even really looking deep into it, it just felt child Manson, yeah, corruption, yeah, absolutely, uh, sort of and vibe. Don't they? The Mako does a narration that says something about um, returning to the earth. There's time enough for the earth in the grave. Mm-hmm. Like it was very like. It was alluded to that they were very like return to nature kind of thing. Yeah. I think, yeah. Warrior, what are the flowers for? The <laughs> <Good> girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, very good. All right, so. Doing all right here. Yep, we're doing. No, we're doing fine. So we, uh, so we get to uh, the the sort of the cultist camp. Yeah, uh, we take care of, of business there. Exchange yeah. some clothes. And this is one of like the coolest sets in the entire film, and it's something that makes me yeah. uh, nostalgic for certain older films and different approaches. I mean, there's still great films with huge sets that look very real and lived in, but I mean. This thing was actually totally built on the side of this right. mountain or cliff, um, and just the way it's shot from the that big imposing angle. Um, but before Conan even starts to ascend this thing, he meets this. Uh, <laughs> he comes upon this this monk, we might say. <laughs> uh, he's a priest. Sure. Yeah, he's, he looks pretty monkish to me. <laughs> so, so we got that in there. Um, <laughs> and of course, there's this there's this little strange homoerotic undertone that comes in there. Like we get the sense that this this priest is uh, interested in Conan's body, and it's actually like yeah. it's kind of a funny exchange. Whereas, like, this your robe, your priest's robe. It's like yes, it's all that I have, and he cracks him, and that's all you'll ever need. <laughs> this is. <laughs> This is also interesting because, uh, I mean, in the story Hour of the Dragon, Conan does dress up as a cultist. In right. this movie, he dresses up as a cultist, 
and we talked about how um, the the burning of the village or whatever, the sacking of Conan's village is always like part of like his pop culture mythos. Mm-hmm. In the remake movie, he also dresses up as a cultist. Does he win? I yeah, don't even yeah, to at, think the, at the very end when he's going to rescue the girl. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He dresses yeah, yeah. up in right. the cultist robes and then jumps out and starts doing his thing. But um, I remember reading so a review of of the the remake movie talking about you know we get this and oh it looks like the, the dressing up as the the cultist has also like nailed itself down in in pop culture Conan. Right. Actually, that just I just crossed some wires in my head when you mentioned hour of the dragon. Um, and I was thinking it was the part when he was in the iron tower. No, as the, uh, he posed as the executioner. Executioner. Oh man, that was an awesome scene, but now it's when he's in, uh, he's in Cachetta, right? Yeah. He's in Stygia uh, and hits where he meets, um, he goes uh, beneath the the vampire. Yeah. 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 That's awesome, man. What an awesome book. It's time to reread that again. (laughs) Okay, so in Conan the Barbarian, 1982, directed by John Milius, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, though, um, <laughs> we have had, so I love the part he comes out, he has his robe, and he's just like giving these salutes that he thinks are correct. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Really, he's, he's so confident about yeah, it. He's so confident, but like we They're as like the audience. Up behind him. Yeah, the audience even knows. The, yes, John Milius was telling me, he's like, Arnold, go out there and make it seem like you're really you're blending in. They're not going to see you. But, of course, you know, they find me and and then all of these things. Yes, that's right. Yeah. When he's yeah. also um, talking to the, the priest, he has that, like, goofy smile. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is amazing <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, you know, the, the film has these little peaks of of yeah. of levity uh you know melancholy and mirth one might say but yeah, it's great too because he pulls film. off like the starry-eyed uh you know yeah. cultist follower very well <laughs> yeah. this is like this goofy oh fuck, man yeah and then you have so but eventually of course we we see that one of them takes the little emblem from his chest that he'd been wearing the insignia um kind of looks it over and then as the audience we know uh that one must be an older model you know <laughs> that one's he, he knows that that's not right i always thought that it was like implied that they realized that was the one stolen from the tower could be that too yeah yeah i, I don't know if it doesn't say for sure i just always assumed because uh rexor and thought was it thorgrim yeah. they show up right after that and like they That's were true. there, so. And I think uh, even Rexor at that time has like a snake around his neck, maybe. Mm. So yeah, Thor- that could all, yeah, that could you all might be come. right. Or no, sorry, Thorgrim. Thorgrim, Thorgrim has, has the, the yeah. pet snake. Yeah. He raised that snake himself. He's beside himself. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and so, well, the next scene essentially after James Earl Jones hollers out "Infidels," and then we get this sort of maybe it's just me, but this is a very Jesusy scene. Yes. Uh, next. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, you know, of course. I, I'm not a. I'm a non-religious person, but I was when I was younger. Um, we went to church, and I like uh, like I was baptized Catholic, and I saw all the like, <laughs> the the imagery that that are in those churches, right? Of like uh, Jesus, and he's he's all shredded, and I don't mean like his muscles, though that is also true in some cases. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> But he has like you know oh, he's dear. got the cuts all on him and uh, his 
his robes ripped. And for me, whenever I saw that image, it looked like things I saw in the church. And then, of course, oh. it's before he's crucified on the tree. Right, right, right. exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm off base here. No, no, I don't. No. I don't think uh, you because are because it, it's interesting. And we'll talk about it when we get to the end because they have something to comment on this. But I want to save it. It's not the appropriate time. So. Will we remember? I know. Right? Yes. Write it down. I'm going to write it down right now. Write right it down. now. Right now. Okay. So yeah, we're in Thulsa Doom's like inner sanctum, and uh, we see he has like this kind of speech talking about how like he barely like Conan barely knew his father. The real father is Thulsa mm. Doom because everything that Conan has done since the day his village was destroyed was because Thulsa Doom did his thing. And so the real father figure is is Thulsa Doom, and he's ultimately disappointed in his creation because his creation wasted his time on trying to get revenge, which is superhuman or, or super, yeah, not like superhuman as in superhero, but mm. it's a it's a human thing. And uh, Thulsa Doom, I guess, sees himself differently and uh, that he has influence over things. We kind of see a bit of his maybe magic, maybe just yeah, the, the big, influence over people. The big message is, I, in my mind, is that Conan has put his time and effort in vengeance and physical prowess, essentially, while he has mastered real power. Uh, right. Which is a sort of a, a mental control and, and bending people to his will, uh, not just through his conquests, which he had, but through this whole concept of uh, extending these cults and religion. Like he, yeah, he, he right. owns people through this. And if we applied that over top of Howard's themes, I mean, there is Thulsa Doom and, and his followers as sort of the corrupt the corruption of civilization, right? Right. And whereas Conan represents the raw, primal, sure. elemental power of of a barbarian. And and uh, James Earl Jones has so many good lines in this scene. Um, the yeah. riddle of steel is an ongoing thing. He's like, steel isn't strong, boy. What is steel if not the hand that wields it? You and killed like, my father. You <laughs> took my. You killed my people. You <laughs> took my father's sword. Yes. Ah, yeah, I, I, <laughs> which is is actually that is the as much as i think that scene works in the context of the film it is the one for me that's the least that's the that's the scene that breaks away from howard's conan the most for me is where conan is basically yeah. beaten down to the point where you know he's not crying but like he is in he's Marian, he doesn't in, cry yeah, but he—that's he, true. But so I cry he's... for him. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet. I know. Sorry. Sorry. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, yeah, he, it's just a—it's a vulnerability and a despair that we don't really see with him. Like, there's a scene in um, "A Witch Shall Be Born" when he's actually on the cross, and it mentions that he starts to feel a bit of despair, mm-hmm. but not 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 to that extent and, and as a human being it makes sense for him to be at that stage but not as robert e howard's conan do you know what i'm saying right right and i mean i get it like it works for the story just like you said it in the, in the media chronicles it says does say gigantic melancholies and we don't really ever see that other than billet's death hmm. and maybe that's what it's alluding to in the howard stories 
maybe Howard really didn't have an idea of what those melancholies were, just that it sounded really kick butt when he read it. Yeah, and it feels more like the melancholy stuff played out more so with Cull and right. when it came to writing Cull's Conan. a very he, brooding character. Yeah, and that's not what was selling. And and Howard wanted to write those, you know, adventure tales and he wanted Conan mm. to be the ultimate. So um, Right. Yeah, interesting. So from there we are forced to contemplate this on the tree of woe. Crucify let's, him. Let's all let's all take a minute and contemplate this. Yeah, which is also the tree of woe is a, a professional wrestling move for those of you who do not know. Oh, so when you're hung yeah. upside down in the turnbuckle, so your feet are kind of like hitched under the top turnbuckle and you hang upside down and then they, they kick you a huh. lot. A lot. Ouch. Yeah. I actually, no, I did not know like, that. Well, I think, kick, I think, though, I, you know what? I got to look it up now because I don't know if I'm saying uh, what the right move is, but I think that <laughs> is it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. So from there we have, we have uh, Conan's hanging on the, on the tree of woe. He's contemplating. Uh, yeah. And I mean, Pure a scene purely plucked from Howard is uh, the vulture starts chewing on him, and Conan's not having that. He bites back literally, um, kills and the bird. That... And yeah, it's a, it's a real oh, it's ahead. a real stuffed yeah. bird. That's I not guess. a real bird. No, it was it was no. a real bird. It was it was a carcass. No, it was it was like a bird's carcass. That's right. I I was chewing yeah. on it there, and they were like, Arnold, <laughs> you're going to need to get shots from this. You you're yeah. going to be sick. And uh, it was a dirty bird. It was some crazy turkey. Dirty bird. <laughs> oh my god. Arnold, I think I think you just wanted to say turkey. <laughs> yes, that's right. I wanted to say turkey. <laughs> uh, Good source of protein. And- Turkey and forge milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a, that's a testament to, like, just how obviously this film had a budget and was expensive, but there was a lot of guerrilla filmmaking happening um, due to where they were and the constraints that they had, right? Like, it sounds pretty brutal when you hear certain aspects of the making of. Yeah. Um, and this scene or like this series of scenes I think plays into my personal interpretation of the, the, the message behind the film. Um, this is really the first time we see Conan post making friends. And to me, as I mentioned last episode, um, the riddle of steel that the father said in the beginning, it's not correct. Uh, because every major accomplishment Conan does is because of his friends Conan did this bold thing by himself, whether it was planned or ill-planned or whatever, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And he's crucified. He's dying. And if he hadn't made those friends, he would have died on that tree, at least as far as this movie Conan is going. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously that's not the case in the, the story um, of which they'll be born. But the Conan that we're presented with, I don't think he would have made it unless right. uh, Subutai and Valeria showed up. And so this is like one of my big examples of how I think that don't trust women, don't trust beasts, don't trust men, whatever, just trust in yourself. That didn't pan out well for him here. No. And well, and Conan's father died living by the riddle of steel. Yeah. Which, which is, it's a great point because I don't, I don't think this is something we often see. You know, we hear these, these pithy pieces of, dialogue that we love so much but you don't always really actually recognize um 
the BS that that's that's kind of on there once you start digging into it, right? Right, right. So after after that, uh, we hear the theology civilization music playing, and Arnold looks up and. <laughs> so good yeah it is odd. He, he gets like you know he's like delirious, delirious right? with pain there should like be an option there should be an option in conan exiles to laugh while you're being because in the beginning you're crucified yourself right yeah, yeah. and then you should have that option to laugh as well <laughs> uh so he 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 gets rescued from the tree. He's brought back to uh, Mako's little place. Do they call him Akiro in the Destroyer? Yeah, they call they him Akiro in the Destroyer. But in the credits of of the Barbarian, it's just the Wizard. The Wizard. He yeah. has no yeah. name. Okay. But yeah, he's Akiro in Destroyer. So in any case, we're gonna call him Mako. Yeah. He uh, he. They they bring him back there. They set up the fire. They do the ritual, and uh, Valeria essentially threatens that if the wizard's magic doesn't serve to protect him, that sh- that uh, he will be f- following him to hell. Right. Right. And, they... and Mako is clearly his character does not want to do this. He doesn't know what's no. going to work. He like he actually I we don't really know what's happening, but like demons or spirits or something like physically come to drag Conan to hell or whatever. As a kid, as a kid, that scene scared me so much. Yeah. Yeah, And they have to fight him off. Yeah. It's an intense scene. It definitely feels hellish. Like hell has risen up to to take, to try and claim a soul. And I mean, the only way to protect it is to paint tattoos while going, yeah, you gotta, gotta moan, gotta grumble. (laughs) And then you take a breath. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is a good time. To, like, this is, to me, why this movie will probably always be the best sword and sorcery movie. We only see magic twice. Yeah, right. Like, for real magic sure. twice. In the whole, like, two-something hours, we see this, and Mako's not really in control, and he's afraid of it. And in the right. second one, Thulsa Doom turns into a snake. Yeah. His hypnotism may or may not be his hypnotism, may or may not be magic, but the magic is rare and it's scary. And it's and it yeah, it's scary and it's subtle. I mean, I, I feel like that's the way it is in in Howard's tales mm-hmm. as well. Um, I'm sure someone will point out an example where it's overt, but even still, like some of the weird magic they describe in there is like how he was previously a small man, but then he seems to have grown in stature. You hear like yeah. weird descriptions like that that almost would play well with camera tricks. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Like if they were to film it, you can almost see old school camera techniques doing it. And, and in fact, the the little hellish demons, the imps or whatever that they're drawing on top, uh, like literally animating on top of the right. the film cells, like – I think they look fantastic, and I, I yeah, obviously you can you can tell it's animation, but like I'm not convinced CGI would be better. I mean, I would no. know that they're both fake; they would both register as fake to me. But there's something old school and really cool about that animation. That, well, you know, maybe it's nostalgia, but I, I no to that like point. It. I agree. I agree to that point. If it was CGI'd, it would be a detailed form of whatever mm-hmm. it was. And this right. is very much a formless, shadowy sort of thing that 
is creepier for for it. Yeah, you know, yeah. because you don't, you just, you can't really put a finger on like what the heck this thing is. It doesn't ever seem they don't seem to have faces or like they're just they're just there, and you don't know what they are. But if someone was to CGI it, I guarantee you it would have all the details and claws and all that stuff, yeah. and it would be yeah. just I mean, so much points, more. There's points like if you freeze frame it or whatever, you can see little features. They're humanoid, right? But they look like little genies, like little evil yeah. genies from Aladdin. Yeah, they're like. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the word I'm looking for? Like gins. Gins. Yeah. Yeah. gins. Yeah. gins. Um I think a good example of what you're talking about is the difference between um Ray Harryhausen's The Clash of the Titans mm-hmm. and the modern remake, the Ugh. Medusa scene. Yeah. The, oh, like the Medusa one. scene in the Harryhausen one is slow, but it's tense. Yeah. Oh, the the, the new remake. One, the it's remake, absolutely tragic. Yeah, it's it's it's, tragic. it's terrible. It's abominable. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's just. I, I get. I it. even enjoyed the remake for what it was. I knew it wasn't gonna be the same thing. Like I enjoyed it, but compared to the other one, they just they missed they missed the mark. They didn't understand yeah. what it was supposed to be. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's another yeah, that's another, another topic, topic, but in, indeed would be an interesting one. Um, I'd also like to say oh. that Conan's face tattooed is pretty scary as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It didn't come. It took it took several days to wash it off. The several days to do, and then several days to wash off. That's right. Yeah, it's great. I got to I got a big pump, and then it was my rest day. <laughs> yeah. So and then immediately after, we get that awesome sword swinging scene. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the, reco- the recovery iconic. scene. Yeah, that's a that's a great scene. And he's like flexing his wrist because it had like a spike pounded through it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which he they cleverly cover up with his wrist bracers. Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, er, that's the um, early '80s training montage. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. Gonna need a montage. Yeah, exactly. Right. A little South Park <laughs> montage. Yeah. So beyond that scene, we get into our. Oh yes, so this is this is when they are going to fulfill the King Osric's uh, request to secure his daughter. Uh, yeah. Before we so leave that, I don't I don't know that we actually specifically um, talked about that. It it is uh, essentially a heavy toll that Valeria is willing to pay. Yes, I think that oh, yeah. clearly that's important, and I think everyone already oh, knows yeah. this. I guess I never really thought about that before, but she 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 agrees to pay a price, a heavy yeah. heavy yeah. price. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good point, Alex. Because in the, uh, you know, at the end of the next scene, we're going to discuss obviously the price is there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, the next scene then would be. Uh, it's like it's the it's storming interesting. Of the mountain. Yeah, I often uh, identify the the scenes as the names on the soundtrack. Right. I but know exactly what you're thinking. Yeah. So this would be. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, the, uh, I'm not going to say it because you know what? Yeah. Students who might no, listen go to look this. up the soundtrack. Go, go look, look up the, the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's the, I don't know it. So I got to go look it up. Yeah. So they're, <laughs> they sneak in, right. And there's the big room and it's got all the people and the pea soup with the hands. Yeah. In yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're yeah. all like, yeah. is this paradise? <laughs> um, I mean, before, interestingly before they, enough, they go, oh, through go like ahead. The, Matt. The, well, they go through the, they crawl through the hellish passageways all written right. 
all, all lit in red. And then you can kind of see how obviously... Camouflage. Yeah, the camouflage really, like, it actually really fits the motif quite well. Yeah, um, yeah. And then when they pass through all the crazy cannibal preparations, uh, they do. They get to the palace. And, of course, in full swing is a... Uh, well, there's uh, some, a party. What do you call it? It's a party. Yeah, there's a party. There's a party happening. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of people. I assume there are probably drugs involved. Um, so Black Lotus? And, yeah. Yeah, some, and this is where some... we see um, Thulsa Doom turn into a snake. Yeah, and he's like up yeah. on the sort of uh, the elevation watching over with yeah. King Osric's daughter beside him. You get a really cool sort of a lot of cool shots of him. And, and, and actually his transformation scene into the snake it's awesome fantastic yeah awesome and that one shot too where like obviously the face is pushing forward um it's creepy which, yeah it's, it's creepy it's weird but then you get that one shot of the snake sort of wearing that uh wearing that the cowl. hood yeah yeah man yeah it just looks that's such a cool image yeah. um i also another I just, thing oh i was gonna say I, I love that he just changes into a snake for he's just sitting there chilling and like time to go yeah. time to go snake yeah. i feel like he is sensing it you know yeah maybe oh maybe something like maybe. that because he does come back at the end yeah maybe yeah um, i almost feel like if they had if they could have done it and made it lo- not look terrible you might have seen his tongue flick out but they do that well, with the snake uh, I always thought of it as like um, he was in like a trance, like a black lotus thing. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, a byproduct of it, right? Or something. Yeah, could be, could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when you look at the scene, those those guys in the masks stirring the soup. Yeah, those guys are actually from the original. um, God, who was the guy who wrote the original script? Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. They're from the Oliver Stone script because we said last episode it was a post-apocalyptic thing. There's supposed to be mutants in it. Uh, the makeup and stuff they're wearing is the mutant makeup. Yeah, it's definitely a little out of place. Right. Uh, but And I never really gave it too much thought, but now that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. The dude, he's yeah. wearing like a weird leather mask. Yeah. It looks almost, like... It's almost like the villain in that Solomon Kane movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Or the yeah. gimp from another movie. but. <laughs> <laughs> Go, going back yes. to the to the snake that, transformation, that have you ever like on a cold winter day just been like you suck your hands into your sweatshirt, like your hooded sweatshirt? <laughs> yeah, yes. Like do your own little snake transformation. Yeah. The hands disappear <laughs> up yeah. the sleeves. I'm freezing. <laughs> uh, yes, I know exactly what you mean. No, I don't, because we're in California and it doesn't get cold here. <laughs> Well, where we live, Arnold, it's cold, and sometimes you have to snake transform into your sweatshirt. Yeah. Probably. (laughs) Just snake sleeves. (laughs) So, so, but this scene uh, essentially is, you know, they're infiltrating uh, this whole gathering uh, to get the daughter, and then they do, it's a very D&D situation where, like, the table hits pause, everyone decides what they're going to do before initiative. Uh, you know, Valeria is going to burn the curtains, cause a distraction. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to drop the soup, you know, (laughs) most importantly, they got the body paint, which looks awesome on all of them. Yeah, it really does, man. It's again, it's just another one of the things that contribute to the, this film being so iconic. Yep. Yeah. And I think this might be the, well, thinking about the mounds too, I guess they're both like these, this and the mounds, the two main action uh set pieces like yeah you yes. do get a little bit of action earlier 
But like a lot of people, I think they judge this movie because Arnold Schwarzenegger is best known for these 80s action movies. But this isn't really a hardcore action movie. No, it's it's much more slower paced. It's more character driven, I think. And we get a few huge bursts of really good action. But it's not the outlandish thing that we're we expect from from Stallone or or whoever in the 80s, you know. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does have those big explosive pieces, the set pieces, but really it is a lot more contemplative than just straight up, you know, to the wall. Yeah. Um, so after, you know, they, they cause the distraction, um, they make their way out of there after a bit of a battle uh, involving massive hammers hitting and there's, killers. And there's a humorous spot or like – like where Thorgrim hits the pillar yep. yeah. and the, the ceiling falls on Rexor. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Just, it always struck me as kind of a, a strange little bit at the, the end of the, the, those two do provide a little bit of comic relief throughout. Yeah, and, it's like, yeah. it's like Bebop and Rocksteady. From yeah. Ninja yeah. Totally, yeah. Totally, yes. <laughs> Thorgrim is actually in destroyer um, because they, it's really hard to find people the same size as Arnold. Yeah. What's his um, name? Sven. Sven, yes. uh, Olsen. Sven Ol- Ol- Thorson or something. Yeah, something like that. And then the Rexor is an NFL player. Right. Yeah. 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 That's right. Um so as they as they escape from this area, they get they, they get the princess who who hisses at them. Uh, yeah. and Ugh. on the way out, Valeria pays the price essentially. Yep. She gets it's snaked. Also doomed. As we said last time, she gets snaked. Yeah, she yep, gets snaked. snaked. He uh, pulls that pulls that snake into a stiff arrow and says, "Seek," and then, barrel. Yeah. So as snake arrows are an item in Conan Exiles, you can craft at the uh, shrine to set. As a amateur archer myself, (laughs) you you cannot straighten a snake. I've tried. (laughs) I have tried. They will not fly. Uh, Well. I got bit several times. <laughs> um, no, but again, that's a that's just another cool, subtle bit of magic, right? Yes, yeah. totally. Um, and actually, I'd also add to. I think it's rad that Conan Exiles actually does. You know, they they reconcile it with Howard as much as they can, but they're not afraid of yeah. giving nods to to this film, which is something I I would do as well. Because yeah. No, cool? I think I think the game is like a Conan Easter egg sandbox. There's oh, Easter totally. eggs for everything all over the place. Totally. Another. I'm going to draw uh, another quick snaked parallel um, because I think that the influence does come from this. Matt, you might get this. Logan, I'm not sure you will. Uh, G.I. Joe the movie, when Serpentor straightens out a snake, and he, I, th- I believe, if I'm remembering, he, he basically throws it like a javelin. And it oh, you're talking like an, guys? like an is it is animated this, movie, GI Joe? Yeah, the anim, the animated uh, GI Joe oh, from the it. '80s. Yeah, yeah not not, not not the new newer ones. one. No, not the newer ones. <laughs> it's like, not I don't remember that ones. at all. Yeah, he does. He's um he's very much uh, in that that same ilk. He sort of straightens out the snake and uses it as a, uses it as a weapon. Yeah, that's rad. No, I do I don't remember. I know I saw it when I was much younger, but I don't recall. Yeah. yeah. Um. So where are we now? They come back. Uh, Valeria essentially yeah, have an emotional dying scene, which actually is, again, like she really sells the performance quite well. And she delivers some lines that are not easy 
you know, yeah. to squeeze pathos out of. I mean, it's there in the script, but breathe like your could... last breath into my mouth. Yeah. So, so about all that too. And I, I can't remember if I brought it up in the last one, so I'm going to bring it up again now. Apologies if, if, if folks are hearing this twice. The, there's a the parallel from when they're um, together for the first time and they talk about like warmth, yeah. and then the yeah. discussion of the cold. And I mean, I know that like the dying and cold feeling is is pretty general, but I, I thought that that was. I always think that that's interesting. And then yeah, they're nice little bookends. Yeah, they're to bookends to the to sort of the whole thing for them. Oh, totally. Um, and and it kind of confirms again the extracting of the toll. Yeah. Yeah, because she actually mentions that too, doesn't she? In, yeah, at that point, she said does. there'd be a price. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right, exactly. And so, then we get our funeral pyre, um, very Viking funeral. Yep. Conan yep. doesn't cry. Subutai runs the torch. Yeah, and then Mako says, Why "Fire will cry? burn up there. Oh, no that's fire right. at all." And then, of course, yes, the awesome exchange. <laughs> Why do you cry? He's because Conan, what, Sumerian. He will not cry, so I cry for him. Right, for him, <laughs> which is that's such an awesome. Again, you yeah, know, that's a... many times on this show we brought up the whole the buddy angle and the importance of friends and yay friends, but like, yeah, it, that is a scene that very much gets it. Yep. You know. Yeah, and this is the second thing in my my interpretation of the movie because. Valeria and Subutai are very adamant that they are not there for revenge. They're there to get rich. They're going to steal the princess and get back. Right. But and Conan can't hold back. No. He goes off and does his own thing and screws the pooch and Valeria dies. Yeah. So again, they save him essentially, or like the, the situation is resolved because he has friends, not because he's alone. Right. And, and to to further that a little bit too, the, he it, the, his whole vengeance trip essentially is what what causes the death from the beginning. Because if you remember, she's saying let's take the money and run, right? You know, way way back when after they pulled their first heist, you know. So yeah, and she and she alludes to it again too. She says like before they go, vengeful thieves can't accomplish this, right? And right. And they ask if. You know, they basically say something like, Conan, do you understand? Do you agree? He and doesn't he say doesn't, he doesn't answer. He's just sharpening his sword, right. looking hard as hell. <laughs> yeah. I also, um, like, a lot of the time, I've read reviews that, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger's portrayal of Conan makes him look dumb or mute or whatever. Ah. I think it's silly because he's young. He's not that old as a character in this movie. Yeah, I agree. And, like, even the scenes where he's all perplexed by civilization – they yeah. all make sense to me too. Yeah, like there's stuff people I think miss when they just think of it as what it's not trying to be. Muscle bound yeah. Arnold. Yeah. 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 I mean, people try to suggest all the time that Arnold is sort of a buffoon and isn't smart and it's just baloney. The guy's like a governor. Borderline he's a borderline genius, I think. Uh, yeah. That's right. Thank you. You're being very kind to me here. <laughs> you don't have to say that because I'm here, but of course I'm <laughs> I'm, I've always been very driven. I, I think it's to safe to say that work. if you're a elected official or were an elected official uh, in the United States, you must be very smart. <clears throat> okay, moving it. on. <laughs> Move past it. 
So, so next, where were we? <laughs> our next scene is uh, our next scene is after the battle the, of the mounds. Isn't after it? the funeral pyre, yes. And this is this is my favorite scene in the entire film. Oh yeah, film. this is the climax um, for sure. It is. Um, the whole from the moment like first they do all their setup. You see them setting up the, the wild traps, blueberries, finding the armor. Oh yeah, the deleted scene of the uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The wind so, blows there too, in the north yeah. of every man's heart. Because so I have only ever seen the director's cut, um, and there's the scenes that I found, or that I found out that are only in the director's cut. They're some of my favorite little lines. I'm not sure I could enjoy the the non-director's cut, like the original cut, as much as I enjoy the other one. I mean, I'd have to see it at some point, but uh, this wild blueberry scene. They're just like sticking spikes on the ground, talking, being dudes, and like remembering their childhood, and like it's a, it's like a really soft, quiet, like touching little scene. As like we see Subutai and Conan being thieves and and rogues or whatever a lot, we don't really see them just be friends. Yeah, and and they're actually being friends here. Yeah, I think we we do we get enough in the regular cut. Definitely, this scene. You know, it's cl- it's skirting the edge of of close to too cheesy, but it it doesn't quite go over. Like I think it it stays on that line with pathos and like the link, uh, the thing that brings them together and the bonding um, enough that this scene really works. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I prefer it with and that scene. What what really does it for me is that. Conan said, Conan is like, he does, you don't have to be here. And he said, and Subutai is like, uh, it would just lead me back here another day in worse company. Yeah. Implying that even if Conan did this himself and failed, Subutai would return because he owed Conan his like revenge. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like that really struck home with me in that scene. Yeah. I, I like that scene a lot. And then of course, um, next we have uh, the part the that I like probably. Well, the, the most the thing that really gets my blood pumping the most is when we see the riders arrive in the distance. They're they're rolling in, and then uh, Subutai is sort of you get this um, almost a panorama shot where yes. he is he's, he's on the right corner. With his little he's got that awesome helmet. He's helmet. holding a spear. Mm-hmm. The composition of that shot, That's and then beautiful. seeing the riders. Yeah, the riders coming in from a distance. And the camera kind of follows as he moves down. We cut to Arnold doing final preparations, setting up his axes. And then the music is really pumping up here. And it comes into a bit of a rest. And he has his crom speech, of course. Are you, are you going to do the crom speech in, in the Arnold voice? Uh, Arnold going to do the crom speech? Crom? I never prayed to you before. I have no tongue for it. And I'm, I'm not going to do the whole thing. but Yeah. Um, I mean... I'm not going to do the whole thing. <laughs> I'm not going to show off here. So the, it's I'll two distinct, that, different people, everyone. Right. <laughs> the, to all of the the listeners out there, for the guys in the house and the podcast, if you do not listen, <laughs> and the hell with you. Thank you, Arnold. That was thank you, beautiful. Arnold. That was great. We we also have neglected to mention that uh, Arnold does armor up a little bit uh, yeah. in this scene as well. And that's important because, I mean, Christ, aren't, sorry, Krom, uh, <laughs> you know, Conan is not fur diaper guy. He, he, he is. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's a part of the iconography of Conan the Barbarian 
I concede, but this film doesn't do it. You know, they. Well, it does do right. it. It does do it, but it, it also doesn't really? do it. Well, I mean, well, not necessarily this... a fur diaper, but I mean, he's, he's walking around shirtless just plenty. That's he's true. Still, he's still wearing pants. Yeah, it's not pants. till Destroyer till we get full on fur diaper. You get full on fur diaper in the Destroyer. Destroyer. Yeah. <laughs> fur diaper destroys the whole audience. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- that's my favorite scene. The moment the speech to Crom. Um, and then just the madness that comes up. Yeah, great guerrilla warfare. The the arrows stuck in the ground ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love when Subutai gets injured and the wizard runs in and stabs the guy, and he's like, yeah. "I did it with my spear." <laughs> yeah. That's how we do it. Uh, and so there's some good like, comedy in there. Back yeah. like a turtle. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, some good, some good comedy. Yeah, there's the a little bit of real comedic relief there. Yeah, well, right, and that little bit of levity is is good in a scene like that. Like, yeah, some people complain about oh, there's too many jokes in this movie. And it's like not not in not in Conan the Barbarian, but just in yeah. movies in general. But right. it's true, some movies don't they don't strike that balance. But Agreed. this film certainly does. Yeah, um, I, I think that's something I really like about westerns. Westerns often have a serious like story, but there's moments of humor, and they just roll with it because that's life. Yeah. Um, like a lot of Hollywood movies recently, it's like the grittier, the darker, the better. The more we sound constipated, the cooler the movie is. <laughs> I, I'm just yeah, just it's yeah. okay to laugh sometimes, guys. <laughs> I'm not manly. I'm just super brooding. Yeah, life's been yeah. tough. <laughs> ha! They don't ha. know how to do it anymore. <laughs> to be strong. So, one thing I want to point out before I forget: in this scene, uh, before Thorgrim gets that spike trap right in the chest, nice, which is totally satisfying piece of violence. But his scream, his his yell is ah. I don't know if I'm a crazy person, or if that scene was sampled for the video game Golden Axe. Oh, when people wow. die. Oh. When people die in Golden Axe, it's the same freaking sound. I mm. encourage you to look it up. Could and be. Perhaps we'll, we'll cover that in a future episode. That is a future and, episode discussion. I'll, I'll yeah. try and get some hard information on that to see if I can uh, find out if that's actually true. But it's always been in my head ever since I was a kid. I was like, hey, that's what it sounds like when you kill guys in Golden Axe. Maybe hmm. with a little editing magic, we can find a clip of both of them and put it on the Facebook and see what people think. Might exist on Facebook or uh, sorry, on, on, on someone might have already done it. Yeah, for all yeah. we know. I gotta yeah. say too, I know a lot of people uh, covet uh, the Atlantean sword, but mm. Supertized bow. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. How do I get me I, one of those? Such a satisfying sound too. Yeah. Yeah. Like the twang. Yeah. They they really nailed the sound on. How that. do I get me you, one of those? Yeah, all of the archery in the film feels very like the physics feel on to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't arch. They're very punchy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It yeah. Like when they're knocking like it into this, into the snake too. Right. Yep. Well, yeah, that's and it's I... not like it, it's that fast legless stuff that we see in movies. Like yeah. even in, in Avengers, we see Hawkeye do that kind of stuff. It's like whack. whack. Yeah. It should be, it should yeah. be weighty. It, it yeah. should feel weighty. Yeah. Uh, totally. And when you knock a snake, yeah, it really should just snap right in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, snakes, you may not know, at the end of their tail, they have like a little perforation. Yeah, that's where you, that's where you knock them. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. It uh, snaps right in, right in. That's nice. That's right. 
Um, yeah, and so, so um, like we see, we see Thorgrim get killed, and then he has the duel with Rexor, and then we get our homage to Queen of the Black Coast. Right. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna live forever. Um, Where, yeah, she comes back. Um, Conan's. I don't want to say he's getting his butt handed to him because he's not, but uh, Rexor got the upper hand for a little bit there, and Conan gets knocked down. And he looks up, and like there's Valeria in uh, like this well, sequence well, Valkyrie Valkyrie yeah. armor with like the winged helmet and everything. And she says that line, "Do you want to live forever?" And then like slashes her sword at uh, yeah. Rexor's eyes and blinds him. Yeah, yeah. Which like, is, momentarily. Yeah, that's totally from Queen of the Black Coast. Yeah. where Bellet shows up to to intervene at a at a crucial moment. Can't you and just picture like? John Milius directing that scene when she's there in that full Valkyrie outfit and he's just like big turd eating grin on his face. (laughs) (laughs) And like she even mentions, she says a line from the Queen of the Black Coast early in the movie that alludes to this. She's like, if I were dead and you still fighting for life, I would. Yeah. I can't remember how the rest of it essentially come back and yeah. 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 I think in Queen of the Black Coast, it's like fighting past the devils or something. Yeah. Effect or come, come from hell i don't remember but yeah um yeah so that's a, a again more more of the the clear howard homework that was done when yep. making the script mm-hmm. and uh the father's sword breaks which is probably symbolic of all kinds of things yeah um, well the fact that you can't trust this truly trust the steel obviously yeah um, again, he didn't do this on his own. I think if he had done it on his own, he would not have won. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think my favorite part of the scene is actually at the very end, because the entire time the princess has put all of her faith, all of her belief in Thulsa Doom, and Thulsa Doom, in his most human of moments, is like, "No, you can't have it either." Right, and yeah. tries to kill the princess with a snake arrow mm-hmm. and Subutai blocks it with a shield. And right when Thulsa Doom fires it, instead of screaming, she was screaming like Doom at yeah. one point, And now she screams father right. to yeah. like calling for her real dad, King Osric. I think that's a pretty powerful little touch they have there. Do you think she's calling for, I was going to ask Osric? the same question. I don't for think me, she I, is. I, I, I think she's still seeing Thulsa Doom as the father. In yes. that case. Do you really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's fair. I, fair interpretation. I think, partially, I think partially, too, the end scene when Conan leads her out slowly, I think that's part of her falling, you know, after he hacks his head off, that's part of her falling out of the spell, maybe. Yeah, so Sobering I was going to mention that now that you brought it up, because the princess is interesting. Um, she clearly needs something to believe in. Yeah. Right. Um, because she fell in with Ulsa Doom, and I still think she was calling for her father, um, but that's open to interpretation. I totally get what you're saying. Um, but at the end, when Conan does rescue her, at least in the director's cut, because I know it's different. Yeah. Um, the ending in the director's cut, she like bows down before him, and he's like, "No." She like wants to believe that he's like the new savior, yeah, yeah. which yeah. goes back to your Jesus um, imagery. Mm. and he says no i'm not and then carries her off into this beautiful matte painting yeah um in in my version so um yeah yeah, it's it's all there we talked about this but i prefer 
the original ending over the director's cut there. I, I think for the reasons you mentioned, it it has more it has more to it, but pacing wise Sure. It is a um, long drawn out yeah, little it's, bit it's at the end. It's too long after the climax and after hacking the head off. Uh for me. I like the theatrical cut uh better. So I, I mean, I'd have to watch it. Yeah. Of course we um you know, we kind of just skipped ahead there, but really, you know, that is the end of the movie. He he essentially goes on his own. Actually, the princess is with him, sorry. Yeah. And he, he makes his way back through to Thulsa Doom's mountain of power. And then, of course, you get, you've got that, the, the cultists below are worshipping. Um, and then they notice Conan standing there before Thulsa Doom does, standing behind him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He turns around, he tries his, his hypnosis goes back through that speech about how I am the wealth spring from which you flow. Yeah. And how I am your father. Very Darth Vader. James Very. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but Both yeah. the doom is Conan's dad. <laughs> yeah. He goes through that speech and he's trying to cast the hypnosis spell. Conan makes a saving throw. It doesn't work. And he hacks his head off with like two swipes. Yeah. Which is like, it's like three solid hacks with that yeah, broken right. broken sword. Yeah, and it's kind of a gory, brutal scene. And they like oh, toss the head down the stairs. It's it's one of the most like satisfying revenge endings ever. Yeah. I think a lot of movies miss a good death for a yeah. bad guy. Oh, for um, sure. Like this is a good death. Um if you ever watch the Jack Reacher movies. The Jack Reacher movies, both movies, the bad guy's a solid, solid, satisfying death because it's not just over quick. It's not a silly death. Like, mm-hmm. the bad guys have it coming. They should feel it. They should know they lost, and Conan nails that. Yeah, the 80s tend to do pretty good with that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Do, you, uh, do you remember how the uh, wizard died in the end of 2011, Conan the Barbarian? The wi- uh, How What's-His-Face dies? Yeah. Oh, God. He I falls. Know- he yeah, falls. I was going to say he falls in the pit, doesn't he? Because he's yeah. hanging on to the girl mm. as she tra- kind of transforms. And you know why you can't really remember it? Because it's boring. Yeah, because it sucked. Yeah. That, that was a terrible uh, way to go. And actually, in the movie, uh, the, the comic of the movie, yeah. the artist actually has him hack his head off before he falls. Oh, funny. Nice. Uh, the artist was like, like uh, no, I'm going to do something a little cooler than that, I think. I will say, though, in, yeah. that, in that whole uh, sequence there, like... I, I like how he gets a little grief stricken. Like he's an interesting bad guy in general. Yeah, I he's think. an inter- I think that, that we'll talk about this movie another time yeah. for sure. Wait, are but we talking I, about 2011, Conan? Yeah, yeah, 2011. Yeah, I, I think he's an interesting, interesting bad ideas. guy. Ideas. Yeah, right, yeah. We'll, we'll it talk just about it. yeah, we'll talk about it. That there's, we there's things and there's a lot I like in that movie. There's, but... there's some stuff to like for sure. There's stuff that's yeah. like is forgettable, um, but. I don't know. I find him to be, even though I think it's a strange-looking bad guy. Um, yeah. I think that he has like some interesting depth in terms of the daughter-mother weirdnesses that are going on there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. we probably. But back to 1982. Yeah, I think we jumped the shark at the very end of our uh, 
<laughs> three uh, hours, three hours of talking about this film. We're like, yeah, so Conan two thousand. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. no. Well, we get back uh, to the to a very symbolic part of this where they extinguish the torches, which I think is, yeah, is very I very powerful. Thought it was thought it was funny. Like they they roll down the head rolls down the stairs, and like they're just like, well, guess we go home. Now we now. go home. <laughs> yep. But but I think so. I think part of it was. You know, depending on what you want to believe on the, the magic level here, that some of that was like mass suggestion or mass hypnosis of some sort. Yeah. And that spell I, that could, is yeah, broken a little bit. Like yeah. But I but yeah. I agree. There's definitely the level of like, well, I guess we're going home now. Yeah. yeah. I always thought Party's of it. Party's over. The drugs yeah. have worn off. <laughs> I always thought of it as like they looked to Thulsa Doom was a god. And as far as we yeah. know, when he said that he'd lived for, what, like a thousand years or whatever? Like, as far as we know, that's the truth. He is a sorcerer. Yeah. He could turn into snakes. Like, and then all of a sudden, they realize that he's not a god and that they were wrong the whole time. Yeah. And all they have left to do is leave. Like, they're not, they're disappointed, probably sad. Well, it's instant but... disillusionment. So... That's Conan the Barbarian, 1982, brought to you by Rogues in the House. Do we have any final thoughts on the if you, uh, on the movie? Like anything we need to wrap up? Nothing that I probably haven't already said. I mean, sure. I, sure. There's a, there's a, clearly a thousand things we can say about this film. I think we did. Um, yeah. It will likely remain one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah, definitely. I will stand up to defend it. Anytime it's mentioned, if, if, if it needs defending. I can't think of a movie that's had a greater impact on my my interests, my hobbies, my philosophy, like, at all. Um, nothing even comes close. That maybe sounds kind of weird from a movie, but I am a millennial. and <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm technically a millennial, too. That's but... true. I know. Technically, yeah. I think I am as well. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think anyone's going to anyone who's a fan of that movie is going to look at you oddly for for saying that. Yeah, I do think people that um, kind of don't look at it as a, a good Howard interpretation, I think should go back with some fresh eyes, maybe after listening to some of the things you pointed out and see if your opinions have changed at all, even just a little bit on how Howard or not it is like, we can't make you like the movie, but I think there's more to the Howard aspect in there than a, a lot of people give it credit. I think yeah. Arnold could make him like the movie. Don't do it. <laughs> now on the Arnold note, I did see that you can enter to win a dinner and cigars with Arnold at his, uh, at his estate. Uh, I think you, yeah, you donate to his charity. You donate and you to his charity. You come over, we eat the high-protein meal, we get pumped, probably ride in the tank a couple of times. i show you how to work the, the different things. I was in the military as a young boy. I learned how to do the tanks until I got kicked out, and then I went back, and then it was all done, and I went to get my body pumped. <laughs> and pumped it is. Even still, I look at my arms. <laughs> Great. Awesome. How old are you, Arnold? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're 71 43. 43 but you old. look 43 it's true i'm right. incredible that you're 71 do you like my beard it's a good looking I, I do 
I always right. pictured King Conan with a beard, so I think he rock yep, it. Yep, exactly. In the movie, they had to glue one on there, but now I have the That's real That's right, beard. at the very end scene. And, and that story shall also be told, Arnold. Hey, I'm trying. <laughs> it's the young guy who's running the Conan guys. <laughs> uh. Frederick would, uh, would probably love to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think he likes being called the young guy being that he's uh he's not that uh short in the tooth as it were (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if you're listening fred thank you um so as always you can find us at uh rogues in the house on facebook um we sometimes check our email which is uh rogues in the house cast at gmail.com uh and you know, we, uh, we do haunt the, the Conan gaming group quite frequently, um, so you can always find us on there as well. Guys, uh, any last words? Not necessarily on the movie itself, but uh, just on anything. I, I do want to reiterate that if you do pick up Conan Exiles, please tell us, because uh, we would love to find a way to connect with some of our, our listeners and just be nerds together. You know, like, uh, that would be really great. That'd be a lot of fun, actually. We are all on PlayStation 4. We don't have PCs good enough to do that um, as much as I wish I did. But um, if you have a PlayStation 4, pick it up for free. Throw us a line. We'll get you on it. We'll, we'll pick you or sh- show you at the server, and we'll get on there. Great. Matt, anything uh, anything left to throw out there? No, not much, man. Um, I, uh, I've been real busy. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Had my head buried in work. Or the various jobs that I have. Um, look forward to what we're going to do next. We have a couple of ideas uh, circling around. Yeah. Hey, um, but I don't think we've also said that the congratulations to both of you on uh, publication again. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't think we did mention it. Yeah. Yeah, Logan was uh, had a story accepted in what's it's both. Uh, the book is called Reach for the Sky. Um, it's by Rogue's Bl- Rogue Blades Entertainment. Um, it's a collection of westerns that have a sci-fi bent. So, like, I think the general idea was that um, it's like if you thought of Predator but in the Old West kind of thing. Like, yeah. not a sci-fi story with western themes, but a western with a sci-fi theme. So yeah. I'm in that. I, I also like designed that. the cover. Um, so the cover of the book is my own artwork. Um, and I got an email a couple weeks ago about weird book that I made the short list. So fingers crossed, uh, I get put in that too. Awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, yeah. Matt is in another, another story in a weird book. Um, yeah, I will have a story in issue 44, I believe, uh, called the meddler. Um, meddlers being my version of wizards um so yeah we'll look out for that and i also in a different rogue blades entertainment anthology called death sting which is essentially pitched as um immortal characters uh in the vein of like carl edward wagner's kane um lestat those those sort of uh yeah immortal beings so i uh i submitted one about my who has become my sort of main character, uh, the meddler called Maxis. That kind of serves as an origin story for him. So I'm super psyched yeah. because uh, Rogue Blades seems to be um, 
very bread and butter sword and sorcery heroic fiction. Um, so I'm totally very pleased to be uh, to be included there for sure. Awesome! Yeah, congratulations to you both. Thank you. Well, thanks, man. That's great. Did you just also drop a Lestat reference, like a? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, the the Rogue Blades. They have like a list of characters that they're kind of looking for, mm. and that Immortals book listed Kane. Um, Casca is a, a serial character. Um, he's a Roman that stabbed Jesus, and his curse is that he's immortal. Um, and then Lestat was one of the ones that was mentioned in that. So like they look for a wide variety, right? But uh, those were the inspirations cool. for yeah. that book. Yeah, very good. Well, I think that that is a podcast, my friends. So um, yeah, dude. you can always check us out on our usual haunts. Um, anything else before I call it out? All right then, going, going, gone. Oh, I didn't say goodbye. Oh, Arnold, <laughs> I am probably the worst host ever. Why Sorry. Don't, why don't you take us out? All right, so this is the end of the podcast with the guys in the house. And uh, I wanted to tell you that your swords always need to remain sharp. And if they do not, then the hell with you. Yeah. Right. 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 Time to go snake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so good oh man <laughs> <laughs>